We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome, everyone. It's the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I am your host for today, Ryan Roberts, Director of Recruiting here at irishbreakdown.com. Unfortunately, we're not going to have Brian Driscoll on today, who is the publisher of No Vince D'Addario, but we're going to extreme because I got those guys off today. So we're extreme NFL draft talk today. Got kind of the free reign. Going to be bringing on Connor Rogers here in a second, who is the lead NFL draft analyst at Bleacher Report also does the NFL Stock Exchange podcast with Trevor Sikama over at Pro Football Focus, which if you are an avid NFL draft fan, that is my go-to podcast. And I'm not just saying that because Connor's on. I've put it on multiple times on social media, so it has to be true, right? It's on the internet. So I want to thank everybody that is in here. How the two sections of today's show are going to work. We're going to have Connor for about a half an hour. We're going to be talking NFL-centric NFL draft prospects for the 2022 cycle. Of course, Kyle Hamilton, Kyron Williams, Kevin Austin, Myron Tegovailoa, Amosa, and we'll also be hitting a little bit on Jack Cohn, quarterback in this year's class. In the second half, after Connor's off, we're going to be doing a little bit of an NFL draft Q&A. You can also mix in some recruiting questions if you would like as well. So if you want to start right now, if you are in the chat, if you want to start piling in some questions, whether it is for Connor or it is for myself, we would definitely appreciate that. Pop in and we'll get as many questions as we possibly can cover on this show before Connor leaves, and then I will touch base on every other the questions after. Connor Rogers, my good friend here, man. I bug him all the time. Just ask him to uh, pick his brain a little bit on some prospects. I know we are hitting the uh, final tredge of the way here in the class, talking some pro day circuit right now, talking some uh, some team visits for these prospects. Connor, I know it's a busy time for you, man, but I really appreciate you just you know coming on for a few minutes with me, man. Well, thanks for having me, dude. I'm excited to do this. I mean, obviously, you know, Notre Dame always has an incredible amount of prospects and especially this year with one being right at the top of the draft. So I'm excited. I always enjoy talking to you, especially uh, this time of year when things are getting crazy. So let's let's get into it. Yeah, man. Yeah, we want to jump um, jump right in. I, I don't know if I have a Philly accent. I've never heard of that before, but I do appreciate <laughs> the comment off the top. And again, any questions you want to pop in, we're going to be starting, of course, with Mr. Kyle Hamilton, Connor, who a lot of people are really excited about. I know just from a, obviously, we're on a Notre Dame-centric podcast. They've seen him for the better part of three years. He's been a great player for them. Got hurt down the stretch of the season. But when we're talking about a 
it's just kind of a different breed, right? Because he's six foot four and an eight, 220 pounds, 33 inch arms. You just don't see that size profile come out at safety very often. I mean, I was doing some historical research on it. It was like guys like Sean Taylor were getting brought up, guys like um, Kenny Eastley, who's played with the Seahawks in like the 80s, got brought up, guys like Steve Atwater got brought up. So, very rare type of athlete from a size perspective. What are just some brief thoughts that you have on Kyle? And then we'll kind of break down a little bit of the testing stuff that everyone wants to talk about as well. I'm glad you started with the build because obviously it's, it's pretty rare. It's pretty different. It's a, you know, a type of player that has length that can really help you out in coverage. His body type obviously uh, leads to some punishing tackles. He's not afraid to use that body type. Like, and you brought up some examples over the years. You know, we've seen different guys, not a lot, but we've seen guys like even an Obi Melifonmu, right? There's like a little bit of a throwback name come in and mm-hmm. everybody's infatuated with the size. But if you don't really use it, it doesn't, you know, it doesn't matter. So there's a joke in there somewhere. But with Kyle Hamilton, um, I mean, seriously, this is someone that has handled a lot of different roles for this defense. He's someone that uh, obviously is a super high character player. I think it was impressive, his leadership that took over, obviously, when Brian Kelly left. He, he's... Uh, very mature for his age, the way the kind of vocal leader he is. He obviously produces on the field as well. It's a shame he got hurt because I think if he was able to finish this season strong, you know, I don't think people cooled on him, but I think a, a bigger audience would have gotten to see the kind of player he is because let's be real. A lot of NFL and draft fans don't necessarily watch the early season of college football. So Hamilton is worthy of a top 10 pick, which is probably the biggest compliment you can give a safety. I think when it comes down to it and, There's a lot that goes into that, right, Ryan? It's the fact that he can handle different roles. It's the kind of person you're getting. It's the rare size. Um, He's clean in a lot of areas, right? Whether it's Mm -hmm. the tackling, whether it's the responsibility as a too high safety, uh, the fact that you could sit him in single high, which is insane at that size, but his ability to go sideline to sideline. I don't think he's the perfect slot player. I I don't want people to expect him to come in and you know, being this matchup player against Kyle Pitts from day one. Like, I don't really think that's fair to him. I don't really think that's fair to any safety prospect. But I think there's a eventual growth pattern there that he will be able to handle those kinds of one-on-one matchups. Let's not forget how young of a player this is. So it's been exciting to watch him. I'm, it's You're right. It's very hard to come up with a comparison. I see some usage in a way to Jeremy Chin, uh, who has had a nice start to his career with the Panthers. Um, and then I know some people like some Harrison Smith comps, you know, Justin Simmons there, there's some big ones out there, but he's a special player. So it's, it's crazy to shoot down any of them. Yeah. And I think it really does speak volumes to him, Connor. The fact that like at six, four twenty, Notre Dame was pressing him to like play some single high at times, right? Like that is, the oh, biggest, it's unheard of. It's the biggest indicator of like a compliment there. Right. Cause it's like that, that size profile doesn't do that. I, and I think that his best role at the next level, like you kind of hinted at, like, let's get him into a too high shell. Let's rotate yeah. him down at times, play in the box, do different things with that size attribute. Let me ask you, because, I mean, everybody was buzzing, obviously, at the combine for a second, right? Because it's like, starts out great, 30-inch verts, 10-10 broad. You're like, cool, explosive. And usually those things translate to a 40. Usually it's explosiveness, right? Obviously, the 459 unofficial, um, or official time, I should say, at the combine. And then I was actually at the pro day, and they tweeted out, Notre Dame tweeted out like a four, five, six. I had four, six, three on my, on my watch and four, seven range got kind of brought up by like Dame Brugler and a couple other people. Friday forties so, are tough, man. They are, they are extremely tough. Well, let me ask you, is that a big concern for you? The force, even if it is a four, six, something like, are you worried that that is going to be a hindrance to his game in some way? It's interesting. Would I like it to be better? Of course. Do I, 
did I think after watching tape that he has incredible vertical recovery speed? No, he's not a corner. Okay. So I'm not floored by the time. And I will say this, and I mean this as a compliment. I don't think he really knew how to run it, to be honest with you. Like it just didn't look like the, like he was right. Like the, he was was like zigzagging on the track, winding around the track. And why I say that's a compliment compliment is because he's, pretty fast on tape especially downhill and yeah you brought it up like it's funny how infatuated the world becomes with the 40 uh which was close to middle of the pack for a guy that's 6'4 220 pounds like you need to take this was what i was screaming about with Traylon burks like a four five five forty for a wide receiver that's almost 230 pounds is not the same as all these guys that are in the 180s running four fours four three like I can't express enough how important that is. And I think we've fallen into the same trap with Kyle Hamilton, where you look at it and go, you know, and, and I'll say this right here. Like he had a six, nine cone. Okay. Yeah. At that size, that's, that's it's crazy. Ridiculous. It's yeah. above average in the general safety group at that size. It's really, really good. Obviously his measurables, height, weight, length, wingspan are all 90 percentile measurables. So like, when you factor all of these things in and then throw an average 40 time out there where it didn't look like his form was that great because the play speed is absolutely adequate on film. I I didn't move him. I'll just be honest with that. I didn't move him. He's my, he's been my eighth overall player, um, which once again, I want to emphasize this enough, especially for the Irish fans watching like for a safety, that is really, really special stuff to me. He is one of the best players in the draft right now. There are some guys that might have a, higher ceiling in terms of projection, you know, like a Kayvon Thibodeau. I think that's a good example of one, uh, you know, even an Evan Neal to an extent. But right now, there is so much what you see is what you get from Kyle Hamilton in terms of his transition to the NFL, and what you see is really, really good. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. No, absolutely. And I, I think that he's 
I feel like we get it every year, man. It's like there's no context to the situation. Because like you said, four five nine at 220 pounds and 6'4 plus is like nothing to kind of shake your head at. I think that what, what got people disappointed a little bit, and Kyle actually talked about this at his pro day, Connor, was he said that he was testing right around 447 consistently in his in his prep. So like that was kind of like, why didn't that translate over a little bit? But I, I don't think it really matters at the end of the day because you see the range in the back end. Like everybody keeps playing those Florida State plays over and over again. Yeah. Like obviously range is not an issue for Kyle Hamilton. So no. another guy, another guy that had a disappointing show <laughs> to say the least, but I know you're a big fan. I of, still like him a lot. Yeah, I, I still like him a ton too, man. I think he's a top five running back in this class, even though there's going to be some people that, you know, kind of have a little bit of a downside on him, but we're talking about Kyron Williams, the running back, back-to-back thousand. Uh, actually, I think he may have finished just a hair under a thousand yards, but right around a thousand yards, he sat out the bowl game. And for me, he came in at the combine right around 5'9", 194 pounds, and he tested very poorly. Like, let's just call it what it is. Yeah. 4'6", 5 in the 40, 32, I think, in the in the uh, vertical jump, 9'8", I think, in the broad off the top of my head. He went to the pro day. Again, they put out 454. I've seen some people had a little bit slower. All I say is on my watch, he was faster than he was at the combine. So a slight improvement. That position, though, Connor, it's a little bit different. Like what numbers really matter? Because I thought I thought he would have decent jumps, right? And the jumps were not great. I didn't think that he was going to run exceptionally fast, but he obviously ran even slower than I thought. So how were you worried more about Kyron's testing than Kyle's testing? I guess let's start there. Yes, to be fair. Like like I said, Hamilton's testing didn't move off the board for me because when you factored everything in with him, whether it was his body type, his jumps, his cone, and, and the play speed on tape, it was like, nah, he's, he's the guy we thought he was. I would love to be the 40 to be better, but whatever. I'm not panicking over it. With Kyron, I'm definitely not panicking over it, but it, it moved him for me. I need to be fully transparent. Like, And that's because he was my number two running back in this draft, which is a, a huge compliment, only behind Brees Hall. And now he's looking where he's more in the middle of the pack, right? He might be five, six, seven kind of guy because let's just let's just call it what it is with, with Kyron Williams and how the NFL will view him. He's small and not athletic, and mm-hmm. that that will hurt you down the boards. The the way I keep explaining it is Michael Carter last year, right? He was small, really small, smaller than Kyron, I believe, um, and and did not test very well, and. He went in the fourth round and the Jets got him and he he was a really good player for them this year. But the that's how the NFL will treat you. Like for Kyron, there's going to be a fall. He's not going to be a second round guy. I don't think he's going to be a third round guy. But what I love about him is, and number one, and you're you're really good about this. I always see you tweeting about this and I think you're spot on. Like you're tr- when you watch a guy, if you watch a guy enough, you should limit the surprises you have during the testing. If you sure. asked me before the combine what I think Kyron Williams was going to run, I would have said a four six. And that could mean a four, five, seven. That could mean a four, six, three, four, six would have been his range. He goes four, six, five at the combine. Like you said, some people had him four, five, seven at the, he's a four, six guy. That's what he is. I I agree with you. The disappointment is that vertical jump is around the 20th percentile. That's, that's not an explosive number at all. Um, But what he does so well is so translatable to the league. And that is, he is an excellent pass protector he can handle a third down roll from day one, which you you rarely ever say that about a guy coming into the draft. That is, you know, and everybody gets so hung up and angry about like Najee Harris going in the first round last year. But what mm-hmm. you could say about Najee was Najee's obviously an incredible athlete, rare size, all those things. Najee could be on the field for first, second and third down from the second he got into OTAs. And 
I think while he's not the athlete, doesn't have that size, Kyron can do that. Kyron can come in. He can come in. I think he's he's you know pretty scheme proof in my eyes. I think he has enough. The vision he has makes up, and the contact balance makes up for the lack of overall burst. If he if somebody wants him to play in a zone scheme, and, and I think with him, when you can be that trustworthy, you're so smart in pass pro. You know where to be before the snap. That is often something that is it coachable and translatable and can get better yes but the level he's on it a lot of guys just don't get to that level so he mm-hmm. to me is is a 1b back in an offense he's not going to be your workhorse he's not going to be everybody's favorite fantasy player but mm-hmm. can he be a safety net for a young quarterback especially on those third down checkdowns can he keep your quarterback upright for an extra 2 seconds those things are huge and the way he can stay on his feet as well um, it, it's just, it's, he's the classic trust the tape player. He's going to have an NFL career. He, he's, he's a guy too, Connor. I don't know if you've noticed this ton on film. I noticed it obviously just watching the games every week. He's infectious, man. Like he plays with a swagger. Love his energy. Game. Love it. And it's, I mean, like, that's the type of guy that I don't think that you bet against, right? Like, even if you have some doubts, it's just kind of like you see it, right? Like the competitive fire. And that's tough to quantify, obviously. Like you're talking about percentiles for testing and, and that stuff is quantifiable and stats are quantifiable. You can't really, you know, put a number on what his competitive nature is and all that type of stuff. But I think there's two names that I've heard a bunch that have kind of been thrown out as comps for Kyron. And I just want to kind of get your feedback on it. Yeah. One guy is James White, of course, who's yep. been a really nice satellite back third down option. Like you kind of said, it, he's not a guy that you're going to carry the ball a ton, but he's a guy that, I mean, you can run him down for 50 plus catches every single year and be that safety net. Like that's been a guy. Another guy, I think, which is a high-end comp, I have seen Austin Eckler from the Chargers, which is a size comparison, not as much, because Eckler was like a 40-inch vertical guy. Like, he's just a more explosive. explosive athlete. I believe that Kyron's somewhere in the middle of those, because I do think that he's a more natural, physical, patient runner than a James White, so I think he can carry more of a load than that. But I also don't think that he's quite the athlete of Austin Eckler. So I'm just kind of asking you about, like, where you kind of see him as a prospect, because I feel like he's kind of in the middle of those guys in my in my. Uh- um regard i like the james white one are you right to search my doc real quick to pull up my cop and i did this a while ago so i forgot this is so old i'm like dating myself in this one kevin falk is the cop oh i, I like that I yeah like that. I had kevin falk for him so when you look at kevin falk 5 8 205 4 5 7 40 uh 34 inch vertical and we just know the kind of pass catcher he was for new england on third downs in an era where that wasn't the aspect of the game it is now. So he reminds me, uh, and Falk was a longtime player, obviously there because of that competitive fire he had because more of his IQ than anything he put up as a, as a tester, as an athlete. So yeah, for me, I, I look at Kyron and go, man, he's going to be a Kevin Falk kind of player where a team that values the brain uh, is just going to love him and is going to keep him around for a long time and, and be really excited about him. Yeah. And I mean, I love that. I love that comp, by the way. I think that that makes a lot of sense from a stylistic perspective. I, I should have asked this about Kyle. So maybe I'll backtrack in a second. You mentioned Kyron's probably not a guy that's going to go in the second or third round, just based upon testing and kind of just moving down a little bit. What do you think is the range for him? Just kind of not, not even so much Intel, like just kind of a gut feeling on where he might come off the board. I think the fourth round, I, I think that's where you'll see it. I think it'll be the classic case of no running back will go in the first. Mm-hmm. There's like a sliver Brees Hall does. I don't think it happens. The second and third round will be the stare down. Everybody's staring at each other going, when are they going to come off the board? Then we'll hit a Brees, Kenneth Walker, 
uh, maybe Spiller and then like a Damian Pierce. Those kinds of guys are going to come off the board in day two. And then the top of day three, when everybody gets back on the clock during the day, he's going to be the guy that everyone's like, okay, he fell like we thought, but now we love him. And and that's when I think that's why I think he won't make it to the fifth round. Okay. Same question for Kyle. Like I, I've been pretty adamant about this and I know that there's been some chatter, obviously that like he might fall past pick 10, but I've, I felt for a long time that the floor was 10. It may be changing at this point. Where do you, what do you think is the variance of Kyle Hamilton? How high can he go? How low do you think is kind of the floor for him? He can go at three to the Texans, and I think his floor is 11 to Washington. So right around 10. Um, I think, you know, some things that change that are out of his hands are the Jets went out and, and, and paid Jordan Whitehead, and they still need another safety, so he's not off their board. It's just that the panic at that position has subsided a little bit. The Texans, I I know, will definitely love him. It's a matter of if somebody else falls to them that they value more in a premium sense with all the needs they have. And then you have, you know, the Seattle's paid two safeties and they're not taking him. That kind of hurt him a little bit, them being at nine now. But yeah. 11, you know, Washington really needs a safety. So so three to 11 is, is his range. The Texans are a weird one. I just put a mock draft out today, man. I have no idea what the Texans are going to do. Because <laughs> like, they need everything, and nobody could figure out what they're trying to build. I I think it'll be Aquanu, um, okay. but but it, there's a chance it's Hamilton because how much Casario values an elite secondary player coming from New England. And the other one I would say in the picture for them is Trayvon Walker. Gotcha. Well, I wanted to make sure I got this question real quick, Connor, before, yeah, cause I know we're already running out of time, man. Cause this I talked too much. By. I'm sorry. No, no, you're great, man. No, this is, this is the great stuff. So uh, somebody asked, and of course Connor has a jets background. So uh, Jimmy James asked Connor as a jets fan, I'm really hoping for Thib- Thibodeau at pick four, of course, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon, your thoughts. Would you like that pick Connor? I guess first and foremost. I would love it. He's my number two overall player. I think he's the best edge in this class. Uh, and I think to, to give Jimmy some hope over there, I think there's a good chance it happens. I really do. Nice. I think that the Jets are all in on taking a pass rusher at four. You know, they're just trying, they're assuming Hutch won't be there, but him and Jermaine Johnson, I think, is kind of what that pick is going to be down to. You know, Quanu could spoil things a little bit. I just don't think he's going to be there. So I think Th- Thibodeau at four has a really good shot of happening. Love it. I love it. So let's move on to Kevin Austin. I want to make sure we get through all these guys before I let you get out of here. Kevin Austin, of course, 6'2", 200 pounds. He weighed in more around the 210 to 215 range during his career. He came into the combine a little light, and he ran 4'4". Worked out for him. (laughs) It sure did, man. 39-inch vert, 11-foot broad, like a 6'7", three-cone, which is just an absurd number. I am going to be very honest about this one, uh, Connor, and this is not going to take anybody in the chat off guard a little bit. The testing does not quite match the uh, the film with Kevin Austin, in my opinion. I There's some variance to his degree a little bit, but we've seen this, right? Like Chase Claypool, I thought was a good prospect. Then he tested absurd at the combine a few years ago. Miles yeah. Boykin was like late day three type of dude, and then all of a sudden he's getting drafted in third, fourth round. Notre Dame just has these freaking natures at wide receiver that just don't properly develop, it seems like, at, during what during their time at Notre Dame. Just give me your brief thoughts about Kevin Austin. How high do you think he could go? I mean, because he tested as not as a good athlete, as an elite athlete. Man, it, it I shouldn't say it caught me off guard, but I think these numbers were a little bit of a surprise. I'm, and I, I'm, I was, you know, really happy to hear your breakdown because I'm so fascinated by like what Irish fans think of him. With like, you know, he didn't have a bad college career. Don't get me wrong, but he wasn't the star. And, and these numbers are. 
borderline insanity. I mean, the explosive numbers are like a, almost elite. The cone is right up there. Obviously, he's got good size. I think what frustrates me with him so much is he didn't play, and correct me if I'm wrong, but everything I've I've done research, he didn't play special teams. And he's the perfect special teams prospect to also develop on the back end of your wide receiver depth chart. And yep. when you look at that, it's can it translate? Maybe. Th- that's something you learn in interviews about a guy. You get a feel for a guy, uh, if he's willing to be that kind of kick coverage player. Mm-hmm. You know, if he is, that's going to really enhance his career because he he's an explosive player. I do think he has some stretch ability. If he comes in as your number four or you like him in empty sets, he's a big body. You can get him blocking a lot. Um, there is something there for him where this testing, he probably would have been a seventh rounder or a sixth rounder before this testing. And yep. with that size speed profile, I would not be shocked to see him go in the fourth or fifth round. It's a deep wide receiver class and the lack of special teams thing hurts him. Yep. But he is somebody that you develop the passing talent. You said, we think we can get a little bit more out of you if we utilize you more in our offensive system, while also our, our special teams coach just thinks you could fly down the field and be a coverage guy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I mean, for context, um, just from, from a Notre Dame perspective, Connor, he's kind of a guy that was a big recruit. He went through a little trouble with, uh, he got suspended a season, mm. then he was injured a season. And he and the coaching was not great at the wide receiver position for Notre okay. Dame over the last few years. He just made a coaching change there, so I don't. Why think declare? Probably, why well, declare that? And that's what the chat is going to say right now. Everybody okay. thought he should have went back to school. Yes, Everyone thought he should have. Yes, yes. I, I, that that's a bad sign to me. I, and I know this is very judgmental, and I really try not to do this because I don't. I don't know Kevin Austin. I did not get to talk to him at the combine. Sure. Um, and maybe I, I should have made that a priority. I just, you're a great athlete. And you did have a nice season. This was your bet. This is a productive receiver season. This is a deep class. Why not go explode next year yeah. with a program that I love what they've done after losing Brian Kelly, like truly have loved what they've done. Mm-hmm. That to me is like a, it's a little questionable. I, I, I don't, I don't disagree with that at all. And I mean, right now he, he just has bad releases off the line of scrimmage, man. Like he can't work against press. He's inconsistent he, with his hands. Like he's, he's not just- a polished separator at all. That's it's not there. It's you're literally just betting on the mock draftable web right here. I just want to make that very, very clear with Kevin Austin. And and it's it's kind of worked out with a Chase Claypool. You know, he's had some good moments and then it hasn't worked out at all with a Miles Boykin. So is he somewhere in between those two? Hopefully um, wanted to get to a couple guys. Jack Cohn for me. Uh, Connor, not a flashy dude, but I would argue that he's had one of the cleaner draft process from the quarterback position. Really nice East West Shrine Bowl. Then I went. To, he went to the combine in like four nine forty. Whatever. Yeah, he's better athlete than everyone thought. Yeah, Thirty three inch vert. I'm like, just like okay. And and he's a guy that everybody knew was going to do really well in the interview room and from an IQ perspective. So uh, just your outlook on Jack Cohn before I let you get out of here and where you think that he might land in this draft. He's going to get drafted, and that that sure. probably surprised some people if you said that before we got you know obviously the transfer. So transfer worked out for him really well. The most important thing with Jack Cohn is because like what people need to realize what I do and what you do, Ryan, is we don't project guys like, okay, I hope Jack Cohn's like a fourth round pick and he's starting. Like I'm evaluating him as what can he be? He can be a long-term backup. And that's amazing for Jack Cohn. Like, and that's because his accuracy from the pocket, which he's a true pocket passer has gotten so much better over time. He went to a system that was much better for him for any quarterback. Let's just be real uh, with that transfer. And I, I think that, He's still 
learning to use his eyes. There's times where he gets baited by coverage, but it's getting better. It's going in the right direction. The arm is good enough. It's accurate enough where can he be a third stringer? Maybe red shirts on the practice squad this year. And then we have a backup that's on a one-year, $7 million deal. We don't want that money here next year. Can Cone take that redshirt year in the NFL this year and be our long-term number two? And and that's how I'm looking at him. And I, I think he goes in the fifth round because of that, fifth or sixth round. Yeah, yeah, no, I've I've been telling these guys in this chat, man. They're gonna be surprised, now, but I, I I just said I I would be shocked at this point if he doesn't get drafted. Like I just would. I everything I've heard, everything I've seen, the process. I think that he's gonna get drafted. That's gonna unfortunately end our time with Connor. I gotta let him go. He's got another obligation. Connor, we'll have to have you back on maybe after the oh, draft yeah, with some sure. steam. You know, see where the guys fit and the kind of career outlook. But if you want to plug real quick, I know I mentioned the podcast. I know I mentioned all your work. If you just want to just leave the guy, everybody in the chat with uh, how to follow your work, that would be great. Yeah, I'm at Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. Uh, all the lead draft analyst work I do is for Bleacher Report. Do the podcast at PFF called NFL Stock Exchange. And uh, Ryan, I always, I always really enjoy talking to you. So this was a lot of fun, man. And we'll do it again soon. Nah, nah, Connor, I really appreciate it, brother. We'll definitely do it again. You take care and we'll, uh, we'll chat soon, all right? All right, take it easy. All right. See you, brother. Um, yeah. So everybody real quick with Connor for a second. I, I, I just want to put this quick story out there. So I was working, obviously, just in the NFL draft realm, and I was still teaching at the time. It was a few months ago before I started with Irish Breakdown. And I was struggling, man. Like, I was just not having a good few months because I was just like teaching had become something for me where it was just kind of draining a little bit, you know. And I actually had talked to Connor on the phone and he just had given me some career advice and uh, yeah, man, he uh, he's an awesome dude. And he really kind of settled me down and then told me everything would kind of work out. And a couple of months later, I'm here with you guys. So I appreciate everybody in the chat, uh, guys and girls. I didn't mean to just kind of do the guys thing. You learn that in teaching too. Don't do that. But appreciate Connor for hopping on. Seriously, if you guys want to go follow him on Twitter at Connor J. Rogers, he does some incredible work. Um, like he said, the NFL Stock Exchange was uh, – it's one of my favorite NFL draft podcasts. I think it's absolutely phenomenal. So I would go take a look if you guys are into the NFL draft scene. Um, want to pull up Corey D's question. Corey, I was a special education teacher for a couple of years. So I taught at a school where I taught multiple subjects. Um, so I did math, science, social studies, and um, and there's one more. I'm math, science, social studies, and reading. There we go. Uh, reading language arts. So um, yeah, so let's get to some questions now. If anybody has questions, I have a bunch already highlighted. You can pop them in the chat now. I'll kind of get through some of these questions. It can both be NFL draft related, which is most of this show, but also if you want to put in some recruiting questions, I can handle those for you as well. So make sure you pop those questions in. Let's start with Mr. Sanders. Dante, what's the news? Well, Mr. Sanders, you just have to go to the Irish Breakdown message board, man. Sign up for the premium message board. We have had constant updates over the weekend about his two-day visit to Notre Dame. Brian had some great intel on that piece. So if you want to go check out that message board, I would check. I think it's it's boards.irishbreakdown.com right underneath uh, the question there, sir. If you want to go take a look, that's some stuff that's going to be premium content, obviously, because it's a little insider information. But if you want to take a look, man, I would definitely – Definitely take a look at that. Um, and yes, we're going to do a game every time someone mentions Dante. Something is going to happen. We'll figure out what we want to do there. 
Ryan, I saw you had the Steelers drafting Willis in your mock, but if he goes earlier, do you expect them to take a different quarterback or move to a different position? That is from DM Notre Dame 13. It's a great question. So in my mock draft, and I prefaced it with, you know, a little bit of the the beginning of the of the mock draft at risingdraft.com. I just kind of said this is not as much a predictive mock because I do I think that Malik Willis is going to go in the top 10. Like I think that there's going to be Carolina Panthers in there, Seattle Seahawks, maybe a team moving up, maybe the uh, Steelers make a big leap up, maybe even Detroit I think could potentially think about an at pick number 2, the quarterback out of Liberty of course talking Malik Willis. In this one, I'm just not sold on Malik at, at this present time. So I put him at number 20 just because I would take the gamble on the talent there in the first round, but I'm just not sold on him being a top 10 caliber player right now. Will the Steelers make a move for another quarterback? Yeah, I think they might. I think they're infatuated with Malik Willis, so I think they are going to definitely try to move up for Malik. But you could sell me on them taking a guy like a Kenny Pickett late first, maybe move back a couple spots and take a Desmond Ritter. I, again, two quarterbacks that I wouldn't necessarily take in the first round, but just kind of reading between the tea leaves a little bit and just some things I've heard. I feel like that's kind of where it's going right now. So, uh, yeah, that that's just at this point, I think that Pittsburgh has put themselves in a position where like Mitch Trubisky, right? I mean, I don't think you're, you're set on Mitch Trubisky. Do you punt on this draft though and just wait for 2023? I think that's an option. But ultimately, DM, I, I do think that they take a, a shot at one of the quarterbacks in this cycle. And uh, just wanted to pull up Michael's question. Definitely think someone will move into the top 12 for Willis. Yes, absolutely. Sorry, more of a comment than a question. But yes, Michael, I agree completely. I believe that someone will make that move up for him. All right. Had another question from Jimmy, who I think had a question up before as well, asking about the rank the cornerbacks. So I wish I could have gotten to Connor. Obviously, next time I want to have him on a little bit longer, but the cornerbacks at the top of the class, I, I think very safe assumption right now on who will be the first cornerback off the board would be uh, Ahmad Sauce Gardner out of Cincinnati would be my guess right now. I think he's locked into probably a top 12 pick because I think Minnesota at number 12 is kind of the floor for him right now. Um, yeah, so I, I think that he's probably a safe pick. I think I still think that a team is going to value Derek Stingley pretty early, even though he's had some durability concerns over the last two years because from an athletic perspective – He's got big time upside. My favorite cornerback in this class is Andrew Booth Jr. from Clemson. Probably the best cornerback I've ever evaluated as far as ball skills and being able to play the football in the air. I really like him a ton, and he's a really explosive athlete. Unfortunately, was not able to test at the combine, but really do like a lot of what's Andrew Booth Jr. There's also guys like Trent McDuffie and Kyler Gordon out of Washington, which a lot of people like. Um, I, I like McDuffie a lot too. I'm more second round type of conversation with a guy like Gordon, as am I the same with Roger McCreary, who just good football player, Roger McCreary out of Auburn, just a little bit of shorter arms, not quite the athlete to play on the outside full-time. He's probably more of an inside-out type of player than an outside-in, so that's uh, it's kind of where I see this cornerback class currently as we sit. Going to go to Tyler Spencer. Tyler Spencer says, as a miserable Giants fan, is there any other type? Would love to see Hamilton with Xavier McKinney on the back end of the defense. What are the chances? Ty- Tyler, this has been one of my ba- my favorite fits for 
Kyle Hamilton in this draft. Now, I'm not sure if the Giants are going to draft him, but they do have the fifth and the seventh pick overall. So there's two opportunities there in the top 10. I love the fit personally, because I feel like if you're playing a too high shell with Xavier McKinney and Kyle Hamilton, they are they are similar enough in the sense that they are both very versatile players that they can both work from depth, which means further away from the line of scrimmage, or they can come up and they can rotate down and do some things in the box or even in the slot a little bit too. So I think they would work very well together. Um, I'm really a big fan of that fits with Kyle Hamilton and Xavier. Just wanted to pop up Demetrius Rex, Jack Cohn, first round draft pick. Demetrius, I can't get there with you, man, but uh, I know, I know you're probably just having a little bit of fun, but he's, He's definitely going to get drafted. I'll just leave it at that. I would be surprised at this point, kind of like what I mentioned with Connor, if Jack Cohn was not drafted this year. We had Lucas Chapman saying Mayer is definitely going in the top 10. It's very possible, Lucas. I think that there's going to be an interesting conversation with Michael Mayer next year because we saw a guy that was considered a generational player last year in the draft go top five, obviously, and Kyle Pitts out of Florida to the Atlanta Falcons. Now, he's a different player than Kyle Pitts. Kyle Pitts is a little longer, a little more of a pure receiver type, but Mayer brings, obviously, more ability to play in line as a blocker, so you could argue that he's the best all-around tight end to come out in a couple years. So I think he's definitely a first-round player. There's no doubt could be a top 10 pick. I agree because, I I mean, I just saw him in person at the practice, and, like, it's just a practice, a spring practice uh, this past Saturday, but, man, nobody can cover him. Like just no one can cover him. And he is just a massive dude for his, for his um, age as well. So yeah, I'm there with you. I'm there for sure with Michael Mayer. He's, he's a special football player for sure. All right. We had Timothy Miller. Hey Ryan, I was wondering, is Notre Dame planning on going after 2025 recruits quarterback phenom? I think was meant there. Blake Underwood from Bellevue, Michigan. So Timothy, they, they have offered Blake Underwood. Um, it's funny, man. They are really getting into Michigan for quarterbacks, apparently, right? Obviously, their main target is Dante Moore in the 2023 cycle. They're looking at CJ Carr in the 2024 cycle. I can tell you, CJ Carr, I just had a piece on Notre Dame last week for um about CJ, and CJ really likes Coach Reese a lot. He spoke very highly of him. So I don't know what the chances are. If, if Notre Dame's able to land Dante Moore, I don't know what the chances are that they're able to get a, a high-ranked quarterback out of the state of Michigan two years in a row. But I will tell you, they have offered Blake Underwood already as a 2025 kid, which does not happen very often at Notre Dame. So, yes, they're definitely interested. You know, he is, I mean, he's 6'3", 195 pounds as a, as a freshman, right? And he's coming off a dynamic freshman season there. So he's going to be a national recruit, man. Everybody is going to be going after him, Timothy. But Notre Dame it has offered him, and I, I do expect him them to definitely make a push for a guy like Blake Underwood in a couple of years. We had Lucas Chapman again saying, I think Cone will get drafted in the late second round at best, but I see him going in the third round. Lucas, I, I think he's more day three player, to be honest with you, because I, I just don't think that there's like a substantial upside. Usually guys that go on day two are maybe not players that you want to trot out there year one, but do have developmental potential to being a long-term starter if everything clicks. I don't know if I see that with Jack Cone. I just see really good backup in the NFL, which... I mean, I make fun of clipboard Jesus all the time, right? Uh, Charlie Whitehurst and guys like Chase Daniel. And, it, you know, you poke fun at them, but they've made a lot of money in the NFL. So nothing wrong with being a backup quarterback, man. Really is not. So I think Jack Cohn has 
a very good floor to him where I think that he will get drafted for sure. I don't think day two player, I think somewhere four to seven. Um, but I think that he definitely does get drafted. So appreciate your question there as well. <laughs> Demetrius Rex, dude really just said Jack Cody is in a first round pick. Uh, Demetrius, I'm sorry, man. Hey, trust me that the, the Irish fan in me, would love to say Jack Cohn is going to be the best quarterback in the NFL, right? Like, but analyst hat, right? <laughs> like it's it's yeah. I, I like I like Jack for what he is. I think he's gonna make a lot of money in the NFL for several years. So just leave it at that for him. All right, we got usually Notre Dame players excel at the combine in Indianapolis. Why do you think this is and why didn't they excel this year from Irish Gordian Knots? It's a fascinating question. I think, I mean, it's a, it's a usually an independent basis, right? Like it's an individual by individual case. Obviously we saw a string of, especially a wide receiver. We mentioned a little bit when Connor was on chase Claypool, of course, had a phenomenal combine performance that led him to being a second round pick by the Pittsburgh Steelers. Miles Boykin went from borderline draftable to a, I think third or fourth round pick somewhere in that ballpark is of the 43 and a half inch vert and the four, four time in the 40. So we have seen definitely a lot of a lot of players from Notre Dame test really well. I think it's just a little bit of an anomaly, to be honest. I I, I spoke to Kyle at the pro day um, along with the media um, availability for him, and he said he was testing four four seven ish somewhere in the four fours like pretty consistently throughout the testing for whatever reason, just didn't happen for him at the at the combine of the pro day. So I don't know why that instance was, but just didn't test overly well. Kyron, I felt like I felt like he was going to test better in the sense of like, hey man, he's going to jump really well. I thought he was going to have a solid vertical. I thought he was going to have a solid broad. I thought his change of direction stuff was going to be good, which it was um, for the most part. But it was just you know the forty time, especially in the jumps, just were not great for Kyron Williams. So may it just be a guy that just isn't a great tester. That happens every once in a while. But you still like Kevin Austin. Like don't forget um, Irish Gordy and not like Kevin Austin was arguably in every aspect of the position was the most impressive receiver as far as testing at the combine. When you take, when you factor in 40 time vertical, broad three cone short shuttle, he had a great workout. I mean that he had the fastest three cone of anybody at the combine of the receivers. I mean, he was six, seven, something like it's just for a guy that I kind of thought was a vertical plane wide receiver where like, he's just going to play down the field, make plays at the catch point, just an absurd time for Kevin Austin. So I think there is some context to that a little bit. D troll Hunter is the Kyle Hamilton to the lions smoke real. I think there's something to it. I think there's something to it for sure. I, I believe that. And I, I've talked about this a lot. I think the realistic clock for Kyle and I kind of alluded it to it too. And I've, I guess we've heard the same things. I think that Houston at number three is where the realistic clock starts, but I do think that Detroit has interest with him at pick number two, because if they don't love one of the edge rushers at that spot, they are set at offensive tackle, which is another position that is really good in the 2022 cycle. You mean, you have Penny soul now and Taylor Decker as the starting offensive tackles for Detroit. So they're not going to dip at offensive tackle again, defensive end. Do you like Kayvon? If you do cool. Some people are talking about Trevon Walker, which kind of ridiculous out of Georgia. In my opinion, I don't think he's quite that caliber of a prospect right now, but that is real. That's smoke troll hunter of, of, of um, Trevon Walker pick two. I think that it is actually substantial. So that's where I think they might end up going. I don't agree with it, but that's just kind of what it looks like right now. And, but I do think that Kyle is going to be in the conversation because I, I mean, 
and again, some people are going to think I'm just a biased person in this sense, but historically from an NFL draft perspective, I've actually graded some Notre Dame players a little lower than maybe the consensus because I watch every one of their games and then I watch their coaches film. Like I feel like I am overcritical of Notre Dame prospects a lot. So I think that Kyle is the best player in the draft, regardless of positional uh, value, right? Because obviously quarterbacks and offensive tackles and defensive ends are going to get bumped higher than, than a safety will, a true safety anyway. But I really do like Kyle, man. I, th- I think he's going to be an excellent football player. All right, we had Kenny Moore, Ryan and Connor. Is it real or just smoke the Trevon Walker? Oh, just answer that one, Kenny. And sorry, I didn't get Connor's two cents on it. Unfortunately, we only had him for a limited amount of time. But yes, it is real, Kenny. It is real. I, I Again, don't agree with it. I would not take Trevon Walker in the top two or three picks. I would more draft him middle of the first to late first round because I just think there's a little more projection than what we're going to get in early part of the season, early part of the career, I should say. So I would not draft that high, but yes, it is absolutely a real thing that's being talked about right now. There is legitimate smoke to Trevon Walker going as the second edge or second player off the board. So yes, it is. Wanted to bring up, and I should have done this while we were talking Kyron, but Lucas Chapman again says Williams is exactly what the NFL is looking for out of running back. He's a utility running back, and that's the modern game. Agree, Lucas. The one thing that people cannot get twisted about Kyron Williams, he has an incredible baseline as playing a long time in the NFL. He has great hands. He's a really good pass blocker. He can do those things at least in a niche role on third downs. Now, I think that he has a little more upside as an every-down ball carrier, and he's not going to be an every-down ball carrier, but I think he's going to be closer to an Austin Eckler than to a James White, which I kind of alluded to earlier in the podcast. So I agree with you, Lucas. He's going to play a lot of football in the NFL because he does the things that make you stick. He's a great player on pass in the pass game. And then he also, while not a dynamic punt returner, he also did some good things as a punt returner too. So that's how you that's how you stick, man. Special teams and the special specialty option on offense. I think that he can fit he can stick for a long time. I agree with you. I answered this question already, Timothy. Sorry, I think this might have been a repeat, but yes, they are recruiting Bryce Underwood, 2025 quarterback. All right, we have Michael McLaughlin who wanted to put his two cents in the Kyron. I think Kyron is a third rounder, great blocker, great receiver. Michael, I don't disagree, man. Like I, I have a late two on him, actually. He's not probably not going to go that early anymore with the testing, but if somebody grabbed him the third round, I, I wouldn't doubt it at all. Like I, I think that he is... A very good football player. Very good football player. So, um, yes, I agree. I would take him somewhere on day two. I would personally. All right. Uh, For sure, someone take a chance on Williams in the late third and early fourth from Lucas Chapman again. Yep, Lucas, we just kind of hit on that. Like third to fourth round, I think, is the range for him. All right. We got uh, last one for Lucas. I think Kevin Austin has the highest ceiling in the NFL out of the bunch. Oh, let me think about that for a second. I mean, I mean, so we're comparing him to Chase Claypool, I'm thinking, right? And Miles Boykin. <sighs> higher upside than Chase, I'm not sure. I definitely higher upside than than Miles, in my opinion, because I just think he's a little bit more of a flexible athlete. And I think there's just more upside as a as a route runner than a Miles consistently. So yeah, I, I would agree halfway to that, Lucas. I think he definitely has more upside. Then Miles, I don't know if I would quite say as upside as Chase because I mean Chase a free, Chase is a freaky dude, man. Like six four plus, two hundred thirty pounds, and he was an insane tester his own right. And he's had flashes I mean, his rookie year at Pittsburgh. He thought he was gonna be the real deal. It's just kind of been hasn't always just been the result base of why Chase is probably maybe isn't hitting his potential with Detroit. You know, there's just some I want to call it a little bit of immaturity with him. So 
Uh, we have which team, and this is from Irish Gordian Knot. Which team is most likely to trade down? Which team is most likely to trade up? Well, so I, I talked about it a little bit. Pittsburgh Steelers, I think, is a team that is likely to trade up if their quarterback is within a reasonable distance where they don't have to give up too much, right? Um, but I, I really do think that they're going to be in the quarterback market, so they could be a move-up team. Other than that, I, I don't know if it's a huge trade-up year, to be honest. And that's why I don't know if there's going to be a lot of movement in the first round because usually t- players that elicit trade-ups are quarterbacks. It's not a great quarterback class. It's just not. Like, there's not that many – there's not that guys at the top of the class where you're like, yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna mortgage major draft capital to go up and get one of these guys. Like, I just don't see that class this year. So I don't know if there's going to be a lot of trade-back uh, trade up options. I will say, I think there's a lot of teams that are going to want to trade back. Like Carolina at six, I think is a team that would definitely want to trade back. I think Detroit at two is one that would absolutely want to trade back. This year's class, in my opinion, is the class where you want a lot of picks. You want volume of picks. You want a t- bunch of different draft picks because it's a deep class. Cause we had the COVID year where a lot of guys went back to school and used their extra year of eligibility. So there is a ridiculous amount for context real quick. I think last year there were 650 players who had applied for eligibility into the draft that were draft eligible players. This year, I was told by an agent that, that number has been tripled. So there is a lot of guys in this year's class. I mean, there's near 2,000 guys that are draft eligible, quote unquote. Now, they're not all NFL caliber players, obviously, but still, I think that speaks to the volume of the class. And I don't think that this is a incredibly top-heavy class. I think that this class, second, third, and so on from there is where there's going to be a lot of players. So get as many draft picks as possible in this year's class is going to be kind of the big thing for me. Like, there, it's 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 the year to have a lot of draft picks. And I think Kansas City right now, I think, has the most at 12, if I remember correctly. So we had Tommy Gunn say Austin should have taken the Chansey on a wide receiver coach for a year. Tommy, love the play on words there, man. I We talked about it, right? And we've talked about it many times. I was, yes, I think that Kevin Austin should have went back for another year. I think he'll get drafted pretty early. I think third to fourth round. I think Connor kind of said fourth, fifth round type of range. So somewhere in there, I think, is where he's going to get drafted. But I think long-term, Tommy, like you're trying to play for that second contract, right? Like you're trying to long-term investment type of situation. I don't know if I see that with Kevin Austin right now. I hope I'm wrong. He's a really talented kid. I hope he falls into the right situation and get the most out of him. But I think coming back for another year would have been a lot better for his te- for his career long-term, I believe. And I would have liked to see him just with a year of really good coaching in theory. So I agree, Tommy. All right, Corey D says, I'm a Lions fan and don't want them to ruin Hamilton. I appreciate that, Corey. I don't want Kyle to get ruined either. Um, I will say, man, I don't hate what Detroit's doing all the way, right? Like, it's still Detroit at the end of the day, so all, all due respect to Detroit. But I'm not sold on Campbell as a coach as we stand. I, I think that... I think that he surprised me a little bit in his first year. So maybe there's more upside to him as a coach than I originally anticipated, but they, they hired Brad Holmes as their GM who was under less need in, in LA for a little bit under the Rams. So I really do like the front office and I think that they're going to steadily get this roster improving. So might not be a bad spot for him long-term, but the short-term I definitely get the concern, Corey. 
David Solomon, Kevin Austin made a decision to be on an NFL team and get an NFL paycheck versus being a college student for another year. We have to wish him the best in hopes he might have a Chase Claypool. I think there was a second part to that, but I'm going to guess Clay, Claypool career. David, I, I agree, man. Like, hey, I'm a Notre Dame fan at the at the core, so I wish him nothing but the best in his future endeavors. And he has the talent to certainly play at the NFL level. I hope that he is developed properly for whatever team he gets drafted to. So yes, I, I wish Kevin all the best. I don't necessarily agree with the decision, but it is ultimately his decision to make. So, all right. Um, oh, Rob, Rob Lobo, one twenty three. Rob, you can't ask me this question, man. I haven't scouted either one of them yet. You know, I, I've, I've obviously seen Michael Mayer a bunch, but his question is who is better prospect Mayer or Bowers? Of course is Michael Mayer, the, uh, soon to be junior tight end coming out of Notre Dame. And we're talking about Brock Bowers, the going to be sophomore tight end out of Georgia. Rob, I think it's an imperfect comparison because I think they're just very different, like very different players. If I want a guy that is an all around tight end that can do things in line and can block more consistently then I'm going to draft Michael Mayer. And he's got that big frame, great hands. Brock Bowers is more of a seam buster type of tight end. He's very flexible and he's explosive. He's going to test probably better than Michael Mayer, but I mean, Notre Dame fan, man. So I'm going to take Michael Mayer until I finally watch the film though, Rob. So ask me that in a couple years, man, after I've evaluated both and I'll let you know where both of them stack up on my board at the end of the day for a round grade. Tommy, Tommy, who's skipping all the questions, man? I got him. I've got him. We're working through him right now, brother. We're working through him. I got you. I got you, buddy. Are any quarterbacks in the class considered a franchise quarterback from Patrick Bird? Uh, no, not in my opinion, Patrick, like, so I like Carson Strong from Nevada a bunch. I wouldn't call him a franchise quarterback, though. I think he could be a solid to good starter in the NFL, though. But he has an issue with an, a de- uh, degenerative knee issue that's dated back since his high school career. So I don't think he's going to go in the first round just in general. I think he could be a good player, though, if he's put into the right situation. Malik Willis is the only guy that I think is his upside warrants maybe a franchise quarterback designation. Because if he hits, I mean, great arm, really athletic kid. There's talent there for sure, but right now I would not call him a franchise level quarterback near in the near future, just because I think that this situation is really going to dictate his success. So I, I don't, I don't necessarily see one in this class. No, to, to answer your question. All right. We have Joe H Ryan. What do you see the Eagles doing with their third first three round picks? So Joe, if you, if you go on my Twitter, it's at rise and draft and you take a look at the, if you take a look at the mock draft that I just, oops, 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 rebuttal. Let's go back. Sorry, fellas. Um, so if you take a look at the mock draft, I just put out this morning, actually at risingdraft.com, I had a full first round mock draft, no trades involved though. So like, I think that Howie Roseman is going to be interested in maybe moving back in this draft. Cause again, I think that some teams are going to be interested in just, you know, taking, taking a back seat on and uh, recoup some draft capital. But I had them taking a mod sauce Gardner cornerback out of, out of Cincinnati, I think opposite Darius Slay, he would be a really interesting player. Of course, they lost Steven Nelson, who's a free agent right now. So opposite of Darius Slay, I think he could be an interesting player. I also gave them David Ajabo out of Michigan, the defensive end. I like that fit for them because they have guys coming back. Brandon Graham is coming back from a Achilles injury, and Derek Barnett is coming back on a two-year deal. Neither of those guys are the long-term answer in Philadelphia, along with Josh Sweat. But I think that they give you the depth where you can bring David Ajabo along very slowly. And of course, he just tore his Achilles during his pro day. So that you can kind of just take him along very slowly. And I had the Eagles getting a big value 
I picked 16, I think it was. I gave him Jamison Williams, the wide receiver out of Alabama, who's coming back from the ACL tear. Fortunately, was not able to test um, coming back from that injury. But I think he brings a dynamic weapon to the offense that you don't really have because Devontae Smith is a really good football player, but I consider him more of a, you know, he can create some explosive plays, but for the most part, he's just kind of a dependable possession type receiver. I think Jamison just brings a little bit of a, more of a speed element that's not really on the roster. You know, they have it a little bit with um, their second receiver, but uh, Quez Watkins. But I think if you get him, then it's a completely different offense from a speed perspective. So that's uh, three of the guys, Joe, that I gave them in their draft. Patrick Bird asking again, any linebacker considered first rounders? I would say that there are three linebackers I think are going to be in the first round conversation. Will they all be drafted in the first round? No, absolutely not. First guy that I think is the most likely, the first guy that is most likely, in my opinion, is Devin Lloyd out of Utah. Long, six foot three, 235 pound guy with 33 inch arms, former high school wide receiver and cornerback. And I think he actually played a little corner early on in his career. He's developed into a linebacker. I think he's the most likely Patrick as it currently stands just because it's he's pretty clean and he's really improved over the last couple of years. He just kind of has a nice projection to him. So I, I think that he's a guy that's the most likely. The second most likely guy that I think is Nicobe Dean out of Georgia. Now he's the complete opposite. He is 5'11 and some change, really sawed off linebacker, kind of in the, some people have compared him to Jonathan Vilma. I, I'm not quite there because I just don't think he's quite the explosive athlete that Vilma was, but I think he's a really good football player. And I think that his second round conversation, I'd be a lot more comfortable with it, but he has a chance to go late first round. I think, I think that's a team may value him there. And then one guy I think that is going to be in that conversation that could be a surprise player is Leo Chanel from uh, from Wisconsin? He is six foot two plus, two hundred fifty pounds. Just ran four five three at the combine, forty inch vert. Just an absolute plug as a run defender, man. Best run defender in the class. Great blitzer, and I think he has more upside in pass coverage than people give him credit for. It's just Wisconsin didn't ask him to do that. Now he's definitely a wild card to go first round. I would not predict it, Patrick. But if there's a wild card linebacker that does go first round, I think it would be Leo Chanel. But I would say that. Nicobe Dean, second most likely, and I think Devin Lloyd is probably the odds-on favorite to be the first linebacker off the board right now. Tommy Guns asking, Ryan, Kyron to Tennessee, second to King Henry. Tommy, from a structure perspective, I love that fit. I love it. They tried to get it out of the um, the kid from Appalachian State. I forget his name that they had for a couple years, and they were trying to make him the space player to Derrick Henry. I really think that Kyron would fit awesome in that in that situation. I think Kyron would fit great in most situations, to be honest. But I mean, I think of like a Cincinnati Bengals, you know, second fiddle to to a Joe Mixon, second fiddle to Saquon Barkley in New York, second fiddle to I mean, pretty much any all round ball carrier that like they just need a little more of a wide receiver up. I mean, a uh, pass receiving upside. I think Kyron would be a great fit. So yeah, I, I can buy that, um, Tommy. Like you know third, fourth round to the Tennessee Titans. Makes a lot of sense. I think he'd be a really good um, contributor to that offense too. All right. Speaking of Kyron, Mr. Sanders says, now I would like to see Kyron in Honolulu blue. Mr. Sanders, I think there's a lot of teams that would like to see Kyron Williams fall to them in this draft. And Mr. Sanders followed up with Heinish getting drafted. Oh, it's a tough one, man. It's a tough one. I'll say this. 
I think he has a better chance than he did before the pro day. I don't think that he ultimately gets drafted just because I don't think his impact is quite to that degree, but he's definitely going to get a long look in a camp because he's a little better of an athlete than people have given him credit for. And even that I've given him credit for at times, to be honest, because he's, he plays that true nose. He's kind of that undersized tough guy type of role, but ran four, nine, six at the combine. I mean, at the combine at the pro day, had a good all around performance. Also had 31 reps on the bench. So kind of, it's a lot of, a lot of things that you really like, uh, Mr. Sanders. So like, yeah, uh, I mean, not get drafted, but Kurt Heinrich will get a long look. I don't know if he'll last just because it's going to be very indicative on where he falls into the right situation, but he'll definitely get a look. There's no doubt. I wanted to pull up this super sticker real quick from Truman Dumel. I, I hope I'm pronouncing Dumel there. Uh, Truman, really appreciate that super sticker, my friends. Um, it's very, very much appreciated. Thank you. Wanted to go to Joshua uh, Poopard. I think is how you pronounce it. I could be completely wrong. Again, if you want to correct me in the chat, Joshua, please feel free. I would say this. Um, I want to think about this for a second because it's really interesting, right? We talked a lot about Kevin Austin. If he would have came back, it didn't make sense from Kyron's perspective, Because running backs, I always tell running backs, man, if you're going to get drafted and you're a running back, like go make your money early because the shelf life is just so much smaller than every other position. (laughs) Like those guys are playing not very long. Most of those guys don't even make it to second contracts, right? And that's kind of where the debate always comes in. If you want to play a running back a second contract to begin with. So I have no issue with Kyron leaving early. If it would, I mean, it would have been great, Joshua. I mean, to be honest, like, can you imagine Kyron and Kevin Austin coming back and Kevin Austin getting better coaching in theory? And then another year of Kyron Williams it would have been a really awesome offense. I mean, I, I really do like what Notre Dame has coming back though. And I like the potential they have. So, you know, going to kind of stay steady for it for a little bit, but yeah, I mean, great possibility, right? Like the offense would definitely be better. There's no doubt. Jojo Pineda, Ryan, shout out to the IB family and staff. Do you see the Jets trading back? If not, who would draft with your first two picks and second round? Thanks. Great. Uh, first of all, thank you for the question, Jojo. And shout out to the IB family and staff, everybody in the chat and on the message board and just that frequency site. We really do appreciate all the support that you all um, have given us just on a week-to-week basis and a day-to-day basis. So, Thank you very much for the question. I, I think that the Jets are in a situation where they could trade one pick, but I think that they are ultimately going to end up sticking there. I will say there's a few options they can go with number four. I have been told by someone close um, to the media side of the Jets covering them that if Ike McQuan was on the board, it's probably who the pick is going to be. And then Connor already talked about a little bit like uh, Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon and defensive end is another player. Pick 10, I think, is going to be a wide receiver. If I was a betting man right now, and I'm not. I'm not telling you to go bet this. I'm not. You hear me? I'm not telling you to go bet this. Drake London from USC, I think, is the guy that they like a lot. I've heard this from multiple people at this point. I think the Jets really like Drake London out of USC. So that could be the pick at 10. JoJo from there in the second round, it's whatever position. So I think that the three main positions that they need, well, they need cornerback too, but I think that they need to work offensive tackle in case Mekhi Becton's out the door because that's been something that's been talked about. They need to get edge and they need to get a wide receiver. After that, it's whatever you didn't select out of those three biggest needs. 
and then cornerback also. So cornerback, I mean, if a Trent McDuffie or Kyler Gordon fall to them in the, in the second round out of Washington, edge, I mean, they might want a guy that's a little more of a flexible guy. So maybe a Maje Sanders or somebody that falls, maybe a Boy Mafe out of, out of Minnesota. So there's a couple names uh, to kind of keep an eye on, JoJo. <laughs> you mean you don't trade? It's from Mad Dog. You mean you don't trade three first-round picks to move up to get Vontae Mack draft day reference? Yes, if anybody has to see draft day, it's a very fun movie. Mad Dog, I would say, though, it's a very unrealistic movie, <laughs> right? You trade up all your picks to take uh, Bo Callahan, and then you end up taking a linebacker, and you somehow uh, get the running back that you wanted. I forget the running back's name in that movie, but, yeah, it's very – very, very unrealistic movie, but it's a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun. It's it's one of my favorite. I mean, I was watching your draft season just because you have to, right? But yeah, it's it's an interesting, unrealistic movie for sure. All right, we're going to go to Tyler Bench. Benji? Sorry if I'm pronouncing that wrong, Tyler. If you want to correct me, please do. Ryan, I used to hear that the NFL complained about the development of O-line players with spread offense. How has that changed or is that still an issue? Tyler, I think it depends not so much spread, but I mean, there's been an issue with some air raid offensive linemen that have not developed. I think of Andre Dillard most recently out of Washington state that was under Mike Leach when he was out there. The issue is that they're passing the ball so much. And even the run game that they do have just isn't incredibly translatable that they are, they just aren't, they're not developed in the run game at all, right? Like that's where the, that's where the, that comparison kind of comes from. And then there's a lot of RPO systems that now are asking offensive tackles to just jump set all the time and not really ask them to take a traditional kick slide in a 45 degree or a vertical, vertical um, um, set. So those also cause some limitations, but I do think it's changing a little bit, Tyler, to be honest with you, because teams are just becoming more pass oriented, right. And more space oriented. So I think it's changing a little bit, but I do think that there are some air raid systems that have still had issues developing offense linemen because you still have to be able to run block. You still have to have some impact in that facet. You can't just be a pass blocker. So yeah. Interesting question though. I would love to go a little more in depth on that someday. We had David Sauer. You're the commanders at 11. Still weird to call them the commanders. Which receiver do you want? Who's second choice? I mean, which receiver do I want? I want Garrett Wilson. That's that's who I want in this class. He's my top ranked wide receiver. I also think, though, it's going to be tough because I don't know if Jamison Williams is going to go number 11 just because he's coming off the injury. But Jamison Williams, I think, is brings them a lot of what they need, man. Like, they don't have a consistent separator after, out of, um, after Terry McLaurin. So getting another guy that can separate to that high degree, I think that Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams are two of my preferred outlooks to them. Could they take some size with the Traylon Burks or Drake London? Sure, maybe. But I, I kind of just like the dynamic ability of guys like Garrett Wilson and Jamison Williams a little more in that role. Appy Gambino, Ape Gambino. I, I don't know how to pronounce it. I'm sorry. I know the Panthers would love for Hamilton to be sitting there at six, but if not, who do you think Carolina would will take? Carolina is an interesting one. I'm not going to count them out, out of quarterback yet. So if Malik Wilson is on the board, it's possible. Unfortunately, Kenny Pickett is also a conversation that they're going to have. The pick that I think that makes the most sense though is offensive tackle. Um, I mean, right now they just don't have a, a suitable starting caliber left tackle. So it could be Charles Cross from Mississippi State. If Evan Neal is there, then yes, <laughs> that's a slam dunk. But I think Charles Cross is a guy that's really interesting for Carolina that would make a ton of sense. 
Rolling through these again. A lot of great questions. Thank you all so much. D troll hunter. So do NFL teams just ignore how at best, um, how average at best Kenny Pickett was his first like five years. It's interesting one D troll. Cause like, I mean, yeah, he didn't break out until his fifth season. Right. So it's a little unsettling. Yeah. I mean, you want guys that have consistent production throughout the entirety of their career. So I think that it is unsettling. I think the biggest issues with Kenny is that, and then everyone's going to obviously keep talking about the hand size thing. And we could argue if the merits for the skepticism and the hand size is one thing, we can have that conversation. All I'll say is if Kenny Pickett is successful, he is an absolute outlier. Um, he has the smallest hands ever recorded of a quarterback that could potentially go in the first round. And the other, other guy was Michael Vick. And I think there's a semi different thing between Michael Vick athletically and uh, Kenny Pickett. So I am not the biggest Kenny Pickett fan, but I do think that he has a good chance of going in the first rounds. So I wanted to bring this one up because I clearly forgot to touch on Myron Tagovailoa Amosa. We had Ape Gambino that said MTA could be a nice NFL player as a two deep guy. Where do you see him getting drafted? Ape, I think that he can get drafted somewhere sixth to seventh round. I think the problem that's going to happen with a guy like Myron is he's going to be straddling that line between hybrid player who can play inside out a little bit or a tweener. You don't want to be a tweener because that means that you just don't fit anywhere, right? But I think that Myron has shown that he is a competitive, high-motored individual that can play up and down the line of scrimmage a little bit. So he might not be a perfect fit into any defense, but I think he can stick long-term because he just has some of that motor that, I mean, you can't teach, right? Like he plays with outstanding effort. So apologize for not touching on Myron because I think he's had a solid draft process. He was actually really good at the East-West Shrine Bowl. He was unblockable a lot in one-on-one drills. So I like Myron. I think that he has a chance to stick. Again, it's going to be dictated on situation a lot for a guy like MTA. Jack Foots. If Dante doesn't commit by the end of April, do you try to get back in the game with Vizina or someone from the field? I mean, Jack, we're talking about the worst case scenario, right? Where Dante doesn't end up with Notre Dame. I still am in the position. I know Brian is as well, where I think that Notre Dame is in a really good position for Dante Moore. So I don't even want to really think about this hypothetical at this moment, to be honest. Like if we get to a point where we start not feeling good about it and we have to re reevaluate the quarterback board, then we can start talking because Christopher Vizina is obviously still a really good football player. And there's other wide receivers at uh, other wide receivers, other quarterbacks in this class, which I can get excited about for re recruiting purposes. But I'll say right now, I'm just, I'm all in on Dante. And I think Notre Dame is too. So let's uh, just let it play out a little bit. Let it play out. All right. We're nearing the end of some of these questions. Again, thank you all so much for popping in these questions. I hope you enjoyed the Connor interview as well. Again, go follow him, Connor J. Rogers on Twitter. He's a really awesome follow. Do any of the past Notre Dame players that came back to test on Pro Day have a chance to make an NFL team or USFL? So the guys that came back and participated were Dante Vaughn, cornerback, Asmar Bilal, linebacker. I want to say there was one more. I want to say there's one more, but those were two of the most notable guys. I think Dante has the skill set to make a roster, and I know he's, he stuck around a little bit in the camp. Uh, USFL for sure. Both guys can definitely play in the USFL. That's no problem. XFL is also coming back. So there's going to be opportunities for guys if they want to play, and I think they both can play up north as well. Um yeah, I think they both can play professional football. There's no doubt. NFL, it's going to be, 
I mean, the right situation has to come up. I would say this. Asmar did not test as well as I thought he would because I heard he ran 4-5-2 when he came out of his traditional pro day. So I don't think it was the greatest showing for him. Dante, like you can't teach that length, right? His whole thing has always just been about injuries and consistency. But I think both players have the opportunity to compete in a camp. But either way, they definitely play professional football. Maybe not on the NFL level, but they can both definitely play professional football. We had Irish 0687, excuse me. Are the Lions seriously going to draft the Liberty quarterback? It's possible. It's possible. I'm not predicting it at two, but I think they're, it's going to be on the table. Ultimately, I think they go a different direction, but it's going to be a talking point. It is. It's going to be a talking point. Again, not something I would necessarily do, but we have seen teams or teams push and panic a little bit for quarterbacks sometimes and they reach so it's possible man it is it is um i think you had a f- one more question also what are cowboys looking like for the best case scenario in the draft so cowboys on the top of my head i mean they just lost their left guard connor williams to free agency and they lost lyle collins so i think offensive line is an interesting one maybe getting an offensive lineman like Kenyon green out of texas a&m who has had experience playing tackle and guard he can kind of maybe at least alleviate one of those needs and you let him kind of compete at both spots and see where he fits best. That would be one spot. I think that makes a lot of sense. I think defensive end as a pass rusher is another spot that could make a ton of sense in that range. Maybe a George Karloftis from, from Purdue would be a guy that's interesting because they have Demarcus Lawrence. that's still in building, but they just lost Randy Gregory, obviously to free agency. So that could be a position that maybe wide receiver might be on the board. You know, they just lost Amari Cooper. I know they re-signed Michael Gallup. They have D- C.D. Lamb, but I wouldn't count them out of being in the wide receiver market as well. Irish 0687. Tommy Guns, bringing your question up, sir. Uh, Ryan, if you're Rob Johnson sitting in Nashville, how do you address the quarterback position? Tannehill can't get the job done. Rob, I mean, Tommy was not great. Would not was not great this past year for Ryan Tannehill, man. He had a good year two years ago. I think he threw like 33 touchdowns and seven interceptions two seasons ago. Looked like he could be at least, you know, adequate enough to be in, you know, a championship level, at least contender. I agree with you though. I don't think he's the guy long term. I don't think that they're it's gonna be in the cards though this offseason, Tommy. Like, I mean, maybe late round picked as a developmental guy, but I think they're stuck with Tannehill, unfortunately, for at least another season. I don't think you can I don't, I don't think from a contract perspective that you can just quite hit the re, the uh, eject button on him right now. So, unfortunately, I think they just kind of are where they are. All right, we had Ape Gambino. Would Cone still be drafted in a really good quarterback class, or is he just coming out of the right year? A little of both. A little of both. I, I think that he's had a really good draft process. So, he's tackled this. He was the best quarterback and won the award of best quarterback at the East West Shrine Bowl. So immediately that's the second best bowl outside of the senior bowl from a, you know, ability to get players into the NFL. So he put himself in a great situation there. I thought he tested as a better athlete, thought he threw the ball well, just consistently throughout the process. So I think he would have put himself in the position to be drafted either way. But I mean, it definitely does help him that it's not a great, (laughs) it's not a great draft, right? For quarterbacks. So I think that it, I think it pushes him off the board a little bit, A. Gambino, but I think that mo- most years he would probably still get drafted late just because of the process he had. All right, we're getting down to the last couple questions. Do you think Kirk Heinrich gets drafted? Already touched on this one. I know he tested well, but I don't know if anybody will initially take a chance on him. I don't think he'll get drafted. I think someone will bring him into a camp, though, as it kind of broke down a little bit earlier. 
All right, last couple here. Jojo Pineda, can you see the Giants taking a quarterback or see how Daniel Jones does, who you uh, who you like them drafting with their first-round picks? So who I like them drafting, I think offensive tackle is a big one. So Charles Cross, Ika McQuanu, or Evan Neal, whoever they're at five. And then I think that if perfect situation, it's either Kyle Hamilton at pick seven or if if uh, Caleb on uh, – Caleb on Chase. I must say Caleb on Chase on. Kayvon Thibodeau out of Oregon. If he falls to them at seven, then I think that you hit two, you know, two very important needs for them because they got a lot out of Aziz Hojolari last year as a rookie. But getting a guy that's a little bit stylistically different at the other edge spot, I think, is an interesting proposition. So I think that's where they go. I personally am not a Daniel Jones guy, so like I wouldn't doubt bringing somebody in to compete at least. But I just don't know if this is the year to, to hit the eject button on him either. Um, but I, I I think that it's going to be on the table, but. And it could be a smoke screen, but the staff is kind of saying all the right things about being behind Daniel Jones, at least short term. All right. Uh, we had Kenny Moore. Bengals give Tannehill the game ball after the Bengals. <laughs> man, he was bad. It was bad. I mean, that Titans team was good, man. I mean, they were the number one seed, you know, and I, I think that they were a little bit of an overstated one seed, but I think they could have won that football game. And Tannehill obviously did not have a good showing in that one. So, yeah. All right, we had Ape Gambino come in late. Any news that the Panthers will consider trading McCaffrey? I haven't heard anything about McCaffrey. I think uh, running back's always an interesting one because he just keeps getting hurt, hurt all the time, right? And running back, when that's sort of happening, usually the shelf life isn't incredibly long. So is it in the cards? Maybe. I just haven't personally heard anything about it. We had Michael Parks who just said, is Aiden Hutchinson overrated? A little bit. Yeah, I mean, a little bit. In most years, he's not the first overall pick, right? Like, just naturally. And that's more about the class. But I also think that he's just a little stiff. Like, I don't think he changes direction that well. I think he's going to be a good football player. I don't think he's going to be an excellent football player. I think he's going to be a six to nine sack a year type of guy, which is good and be a good run defender. But I just, I don't see huge upside on a guy like an Aiden Hutchinson. I certainly don't see first overall pick, but he's the odds on favorites go number one to Jacksonville. So just the year we're in. And wanted to throw up Michael McLaughlin. This was an excellent show. Hit the likes, people. Yes, we're going to end it all there. Again, want to thank everybody that was out there putting in amazing questions. I tried to hit on everything I possibly could. I want to thank Connor Rogers, of course, the lead NFL draft analyst over at Bleacher Reports. Make sure to give him a follow at Connor J. Rogers. I hope you all enjoyed just a little bit of this prospect talk and, uh, you know, just Digging in the info draft, we're less than a month away. So I really wanted to hit on this a lot um, and be able to, you know, just kind of check a lot of boxes for the info draft guys from the Notre Dame perspective and just from a national perspective. So if you all could please hit the like button, share this podcast, word of mouth. I mean, we absolutely adore all the all the um, feedback we get on the, on the channel, all the support that we get on the channel. If you all could do it, really would appreciate you all so much. I know I see the names consistently every single show, so I know you all are awesome part of the IB Nation. If you are not on the message board, go to boards.irishbreakdown.com. We have a constant updates from the recruiting side, from the team side, bringing you everything that you need to know from the Notre Dame perspective um, in all facets. So we have a great team over here. We're continuing to expand. Me, Brian, Sean, Vince. I mean, just a great team, and I Really applaud everybody out there for giving the, the continued support. Make sure to check out everything that we have going up there. We have recruiting updates, visit updates on the actual site, free articles. We're not nickel and diamond you here. We're giving you uh, some premium, some really nice content um, that is affordable and free on the site. So 
Thank you all so much. Thank you from all the staff at Irish Breakdown, but also from, of course, myself, Ryan Roberts, for joining the Irish Breakdown podcast. I'm Mark Chapman. Welcome to the Planet Premier League podcast. Each week, Cesc Fabregas, Nader Manua and myself talk all things Premier League. As a player, you don't have time to talk. No. You don't have time to make a plan. You just need to deal with wave after wave after wave. We watched Coach Carter and he said, oh, afterwards, the game's just about doing this for your teammates. And I remember looking around halfway through the film and half the squad was asleep. <laughs> Planet Premier League. Listen wherever you get your podcasts.